Embattled New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has broken his silence on sexual misconduct allegations. He's still quiet about the thousands of senior citizens that he killed and the subsequent cover-up and the federal investigation into it. But he wants you to know that he is really, really sorry about maybe hugging staffers. I certainly never, ever meant to offend anyone or hurt anyone or cause anyone any pain. That is the last thing I would ever want to do. I never wanted to cause anyone pain, unless you're a senior citizen, in which case I want you dead. I want your family dead. I want your house burned to the ground. I want to go there in the middle of the night. I want to piss in the ashes. I'm Andrew Cuomo. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Heaton James, who asks, has there ever been a time in history when the people banning books were the good guys? The answer to this question actually is yes, but y'all ain't ready for that yet. But, but it is actually book banning, book burning has gone on for all of history. It's gone on. Bad guys have done it. Good guys have done it. Christians in the Bible do it. Uh, the question is under what circumstances, how extensive, and what exactly is the kind of content that is being, uh, you could say, banned or burned or canceled. This is the same sort of issue that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now. It's not only the formal question, the procedural question of are you canceling, censoring, showing consequences for things you say, but what exactly are the things that you are saying that are incurring these consequences? Well, hopefully we'll get into that in the ensuing weeks. You know, one way to feel safe in this crazy world of ours, ring. So much happens at our front doors. That is something that certainly has not changed these days, especially for me. I've got sweet little June, my newborn baby there. So I'm getting a lot of packages. I'm getting a lot of food delivery because no one wants to cook right now. I'm getting a lot of in-laws coming by. And you know, if it's the pizza, maybe I'm going to open the door. If it's other people, maybe I'm not going to open the door. It's good to know who is outside the door before you open the door. You can do that with Ring. You can see and speak to whoever is outside your house, whether you are in your bedroom, maybe you are at the office, maybe you are on a beach somewhere on the other side of the world. I think this is an absolutely fabulous housewarming gift. One, because it's futuristic. Two, because it'll keep your friends safe. Three, it's not very expensive, so you get credit for a really nice gift and you don't need to shell out a ton of money. It makes me feel safe knowing that when I travel, sweet little Lisa can see who's outside the door before she opens it right now. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Knowles. Comes with Ring's video doorbell three and Chime Pro, the perfect way to upgrade your front door and start your Ring experience. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. That is ring.com slash Knowles. Cuomo finally addressing these allegations. They have been bubbling up for a couple of weeks now. They actually first came to light even longer ago. This idea that maybe Cuomo was inappropriate. He said an inappropriate thing to a woman, right? It's all kind of very vague stuff. But now it's really coming to a head, just conveniently, just coincidentally, as we were focusing in on the COVID scandal. The fact that Cuomo's policies directly led to the deaths of thousands of elderly New Yorkers. And he knew about it, crucially, he knew about it. He covered it up and the feds were, and I suppose are, looking into it. So Cuomo, he doesn't want to talk about any of that stuff. So instead he talks about 
his behavior. And while he says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cause anybody pain. He also provides some excuses, namely that it's perfectly ordinary to kiss everybody that you see on the street. Uh, you can go find hundreds of pictures of me, uh, kissing people, uh, men, women. It is my usual and customary way of greeting. So this is obviously an excuse. Uh, I've met Andrew Cuomo twice in my life, and I can thankfully say he did not uh, greet me in that way. The thing is, there actually is some truth to this. I say this as a New Yorker. I say this as an Italian-American. I come from a very similar culture. I think actually the same town as Andrew Cuomo. Uh, We're a little bit more uh, physical. We're a little bit more, you know, we'll uh, hug people. It's obviously Italians in Italy do like the kiss, kiss, cheek, cheek. Uh, but it's, we're, we're not as quite as standoffish as some other cultures. So sure. Now, does this mean that uh, Andrew Cuomo did not try to pick up his staffers, that he did not try to do anything inappropriate? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Frankly, I don't care that Andrew Cuomo kissed hundreds of people. I care that his policies killed thousands of people and he covered it up. That's what I care about. I've said this from the beginning, that this is a distraction. Now, do I think this is a distraction contrived by the Cuomo team themselves? Do I think that there was mastermind Cuomo sitting around saying, okay, I'm really in hot water on the COVID thing. Let's distract. Let's have them start talking about some vague sex scandal. No, I don't think so. I mean, it's possible. The guy is an absolute killer politician, so it's possible. But more likely what it is, is that the Democrats pumped this guy up. They exalted this guy and they, they made him the greatest COVID hero in the country. Absolutely implausibly. But if all you consume is the mainstream media, then, then you would believe that. And then turns out that his COVID policies and by association, their COVID policies were a complete failure and Republican COVID policies like namely Florida governor Ron DeSantis, big success. And so now that this guy is really making them all look bad, they take him out with some contrived sex scandal. That seems more likely to me, but in any case, it is a distraction. There's no question about that. I knew it from the minute that this scandal or pseudo scandal bubbled up. It also creates a problem for Democrats because Democrats have been saying for years now that we need to support women and believe all women. And the minute that any woman makes any accusation whatsoever because of her genetic uh, quality that prevents her from even being able to lie ever, uh, we, we have to believe her. But what happens when the ladies accuse the Democrat men? They have to twist themselves into pretzels to explain their stance on it. First, I fully support a woman's right to come forward. And I think it should be encouraged in every way. Wow, that's really big of you, Andrew Cuomo. You support the right of women to uh, make accusations and try to get justice. Wow, oh my gosh. Feminist of the year over here. This guy thinks that women are entitled to the same rights as every American citizen. Wow, incredible. But he understands. He might, he might not understand how he's coming across right now, but he understands that he made some people feel uncomfortable. I now understand that I acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. It was unintentional. 
and I truly and deeply apologize for it. I feel awful about it, and frankly, I am embarrassed by it. And that's not easy to say, but that's the truth. But this is what I want you to know, and I want you to know this from me directly. I never touched anyone inappropriately. I never touched anyone inappropriately. I want you to say it after me. I never touched anyone inappropriately. Luca Brazzi, get over here. Make sure that they repeat after me. I never touched anyone <laughs> inappropriately. Okay. The, the waterworks routine was not very persuasive because Andrew Cuomo, from the beginning of his political career, has been a bulldog. He has been a tough, tough dude ever since he was helping out his father, Mario Cuomo, another governor of New York with presidential ambitions who ended up not running. Cuomo now carrying on the dynasty. So it, it, it's not very persuasive when he says, I'm very embarrassed by it. I'm very humiliated. He's trying to work up the waterworks. It doesn't really work. But then he gets to his point. He says, this allegation is BS. <laughs> you know, after this whole, I think we should listen to the women. They should come forward. I'm this and that. This is BS is what he's saying. And maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is just a contrived attack that he's only suffering now because of the COVID scandal. I strongly suspect it is because these vague allegations have been kind of floating in the ether for quite a while. Democrats never cared about it until now. And then Andy Cuomo used the classic democratic move. He made himself the victim. I have learned from what has been an incredibly uh, difficult situation for me as well as other people. And I've learned an important lesson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for whatever pain I caused anyone. I never intended it. Uh, and I will be the better for this experience. Uh, will you be the better, Andrew Cuomo? I think you may be unemployed <laughs> because of this experience, because this isn't uh, Republicans pushing this kind of thing. Republicans are pushing the COVID scandal, which is the actual scandal. This is Democrats who have, who have obviously lost faith in you. And what he's trying to show with this presser is that he is still in control here. He is not going to be pushed out by the forces in his party that think that he really let them down, that he's going to continue on his path because the guy has wanted to be president since he was two years old. There's a biography of Andy Cuomo that came out about six years ago. It's called The Contender. It's generally a quite, quite positive biography of him. But the point that it keeps coming back to again and again is how tightly controlled Andrew Cuomo's uh, press operation is, his images, and how obviously this is all about him trying to run for president. Now that's seeming a little bit less likely. Speaking of press conferences and presidents, you got to at least give Andrew Cuomo credit for being able to go out there and face the cameras and try to set his own narrative. Joe Biden not doing that. Joe Biden now setting the record in modern history for the uh, longest time a president has waited before giving his first press conference. It's not only conservatives attacking him for this, even Jake Tapper, who I think is 
sometimes Jake Tapper, I think, tries to portray himself as the only honest guy in the room. And he just talks about the facts. Jake Tapper was a partisan Democrat. I really hate that whole shtick and routine that he does. He is as left as they come in, in the mainstream. Uh, but he, he, credit where credit's due, he does go after Biden here. He says, an analysis of the past hundred years shows President Biden's 15 most recent predecessors all held a formal solo press conference within 33 days of taking office. Biden has not, and it's day 42. And I, I don't think Biden has any desire to do that. Uh, why? Because Joe Biden is not particularly uh, persuasive. When he, he was just giving a, a talk, a virtual sort of Zoom talk with members of Congress, and he had no idea basically what he was doing, where he was. They ended up having to cut the feed from him. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> and there it goes. There it is. No, what we want you to do, Joe, is go away, sit, go watch TV in your apartment. Meanwhile, the liberal establishment is going to be pushing radical, radical policies that have not only transformed the country over the last year, but seem to be attempting to transform the country in this radical locked down way indefinitely. Biden was asked, not during a press conference, because he doesn't really do that sort of thing. He was asked though, while he was just kind of walking, he was in transit, what he thinks of the new normal. You know, we're now, we're now coming up on the one year anniversary of 15 days to slow the spread. And we joke about that, but that is really crazy and horrible for the country that these sociopaths have been able to wrest the power from us and our political rights and traditions. And we've basically done nothing to stop it. And we've known from some of us from the very beginning, but some of us from three weeks in, four weeks in, that they were not going to give up power. This wasn't going to be two weeks or two months. Now it's looking like it's going to be two years. Joe Biden asked, when are we getting back to normal? He said, ah, hopefully, I don't know, maybe, maybe in about a year. Caution not to give an answer to that because we don't know for sure. But my hope is by this time next year, we're going to be back to normal and before that, my hope. But again, it depends upon if people continue, continue to be smart and understand that we still can have significant losses. There's a lot we have to do yet. So thank you. Two weeks to slow the spread has actually now become, according to the president of the United States, two years to slow the spread. When some of us mentioned that they weren't going to give up power about a year ago, we were told, oh, stop being a crazy conspiracy theorist. Oh, stop being hyperbolic. Oh, stop being a catastrophist. When we were told that, look, if people just wear the masks, we'll get back to normal. That's, that's the cost for getting back to normal. People wear the masks. We have mask mandates all over this country, various places all over this country with a few notable and admirable exceptions. Have the masks helped us get back to normal? No. As some of us pointed out a while ago, the masks were always going to prolong this thing because the masks don't make people feel safer. They make people feel more anxious. You look around, you see all these people wearing masks like a bunch of banditos and you don't say, okay, we're all good now. No, you say, oh my gosh, we're in an unprecedented event. Oh my gosh, we need to give the government extraordinary powers. We need to give these psycho politicians more and more of our rights and our liberties. And that's just how it's going to be. Biden says, I hope this time next year, 
I hope it's only going, only going to be two years to slow the spread. But that's going to depend on if you're a good little boy and you're a good little girl. It's going to depend on if you do everything I say. If you don't, if you don't wear the mask and get the shot and social distance and cancel Thanksgiving and cancel Christmas, do all the other nonsense I tell you to do. If you don't do it, maybe it's going to be three years to slow the spread. Oh gosh, if you, maybe it's going to be four years. Maybe this is the new normal, like these people have been telling us from the very beginning. And some of us who were listening will remember that, but other people don't want to remember it because it is so outrageous. Meanwhile, look at the various states. The states have been handling this. You've got a state like California, which has been locked down. It's just Mussolini's tyranny over there, locked down more than virtually any other state. They're not doing any better on COVID than Florida, which has been open basically from the beginning like quite open. New York has been extremely locked down. New York has done worse than any other state on COVID. That's why Andy Cuomo has to answer questions about some ridiculous sex scandal right now. Not because of the sex scandals, because of COVID. So at least one reporter asks Joe Biden, this is again, it's not a press conference, it's just sort of at the very end, they just try to shout a few questions to Biden. They ask Biden, hey, Mr. President, Florida's looking pretty good. Seems to disprove all your stupid COVID theories. What do you have to say about that? Joe Biden does not mince words. I hope everybody's realized by now, these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we're able to get vaccines in people's arms. We've been able to move that all the way up to the end of May to have enough for every American, to get every adult American to get a shot. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask. Forget it. It still matters. Now, Joe Biden using this phrase, Neanderthal thinking, actually carries quite a bit of weight because Joe Biden remembers the Neanderthals. You know, when Joe Biden was growing up in Delaware, Uh, I forget during which uh, era of the earth's history, uh, he knew a a lot of Neanderthals. They were wandering around. Uh, Then, you know, very sadly they went extinct and uh, now we we live in this world without them. But he remembers what it was like and he he doesn't want to go back to that. Neanderthal thinking. So just in my mind, I've got to compare two guys. Ron DeSantis in Florida kept the state open. Everybody's happy. Everybody's free. Virus very well contained. Andrew Cuomo in New York, uh, not doing great. Locked down the state and killed a bunch of senior citizens and took away his constituents' liberties and rights. If I'm, and I'm just saying, I don't even want you to think ideologically here. I just want you to think as a purely physical matter. Which of those guys looks and sounds more like a Neanderthal? Is it Ron DeSantis? Very articulate guy. You know, he's relatively handsome. Or is it Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo with the, you know, he looks just like a bulldog. I think it's probably, probably going to be the latter. So the really, the the only reason the Cuomo sex scandal matters is because it reveals something about the way that the coronavirus has played out. I think now a year into slowing the spread, a year before Joe Biden says maybe he hopes we're going to stop having to slow the spread. It's pretty clear. The Republican policies 
worked. And by the way, a lot of Republicans went squishy on this, so I'm excluding them from my analysis. But the people who wanted to stay open, lose those stupid masks, let kids go to school, go let everybody go to church. The people who wanted to do that were 100% right. And people like Dr. Fauci and all the other technocrat tyrants in lab coats and all of the other sociopath democratic politicians were completely 100% wrong. Dr. Fauci was asked about this. It's hard to say that Dr. Fauci was wrong because he's held every side of every single position, depending on the political convenience to him. But he actually got to give a little bit of credit to CNN. I can't believe how much of that I'm doing in recent days. Dr. Fauci was asked, hey, uh, Florida, <laughs> you know, the same question that Biden was asked. Florida, uh, look, we want to defend Newsom. We want to defend Cuomo. We want to defend you, oh, exalted Dr. Fauci. But Florida and some of the other Republican states, it's, it's like, it's fine. So does that mean that the Republicans got something right? Some states that shut down, obviously, and, and had all those mandates, New York, uh, Michigan, Massachusetts, all have higher death rates. Do you think it's possible when you look up back on this that it may be that DeSantis did some things right? Well, I'm sure he did. I, I mean, I don't think it would be fair to say that, that the governor of Florida did everything wrong. Not at all. There were certain things that were, that were done that, that I disagreed with. And that it wasn't just me personally, it's the public, any public health person who looked at it. But I think it would be unfair to say that he did everything wrong. This guy is such a twerp. I can't get over it. He's asked, hey, Fauci, or not Fauci, Ron DeSantis, hey, Mr. Fauci, Ron DeSantis did way better than Andy Cuomo and Governor Newsom and all these other people. So Cuomo and Newsom follow your advice and Ron DeSantis told you to go pound sand and he's doing better than all those other guys. So maybe did he get something right? Well, I think maybe uh, he, he did certain things right in his life. He studied for his exams. He brushed his teeth in the morning. Uh, so I'm not, it's not fair to say that he did every single thing in his entire life wrong, but I disagree with his approach to the virus. So he won't he won't grant it. It's a, it's a direct question and he just evades it because if you contradict the exalted Dr. Fauci, you must be wrong, even if the revolt, re results say otherwise. What exactly did he get right? Fauci goes on. Are there, are there some things when you look at Florida that you, that you think that he did get right? Well, you know, we, um, Aaron, we had uh, often... Um, talks uh, on a weekly basis during the last administration with the mayors of Miami and of Dade County. And, you know, some of the things that were done down there by the by people at the local level really actually did work. I mean, they were very careful. They tried really very hard. This guy is just unbelievable, shameless. What did Ron DeSantis, who did a great job, what did he get right? He had Democrat mayors. That's what he's saying. What did Ron DeSantis get right? His Democrat mayors talk to me. I'm right. I'm right. Please, please believe me. Except, except he's not. And the longer this madness goes on, the clearer it is, but they are still not going to let up. Ben is going to be talking about this very fact today on his show, why the left is so enraged about reopening. So make sure to stick around, check that out. Also, you know, there's a ton of crazy left-wing theories out there, in some cases, some outright lies. And they need to be called out for what they are. They need to be, in a word, debunked. Well, Ben does exactly that on the Daily Wire's newest series, D.
debunked. In the first episode, which was released on Friday, Ben debunks a lot of myths surrounding the minimum wage. Uh, You've heard the arguments, hiking up the federal minimum wage is the only livable, humane way forward. Well, what the liberal activists and the politicians don't acknowledge is that the minimum wage was not intended to be livable and that very often it hurts more people than it can help. Uh, Ben, we'll go into the details here. Debunked is now available to Daily Wire members exclusively. Are you not a member yet? We'll go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code debunked to get 25% off your new membership and stay tuned for this Friday's episode where Ben will break down the unions. I hope he just breaks the unions, but he'll at the very least break down the unions. Head on over to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Dr. Fauci was wrong. A lot of people from the mainstream on the right and the left are acknowledging this now. Mostly people from the mainstream right, but a handful of people from the mainstream left. But it goes beyond the mainstream. Even people on the fringes of the right and on the fringes of the left are finally going after Dr. Fauci and this public health dictatorship, including one of the more odious people who is in public life, who is, has made a career out of uh, saying revolting things, Louis Farrakhan, the, the head of the Nation of Islam, a radical, a racialist. He took a break from his usual sort of race hustling to go after Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, well, he may be a good man for some things and for some people. Dr. Aleem didn't want to say anything negative about him. I understand. Don't choose him over me. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's the nanoparticles that men like Dr. Fauci have proprietary knowledge of that allows them to get a patent. for their vial of death. We don't need none of that. You know, I saw this clip talking about the, the vaccine as a vial of death and how Fauci is this awful evil guy from Louis Farrakhan. And I thought, you know, even a stopped clock twice a day. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding for all the fact checkers. I'm kidding. Don't you dare I, when somebody sent me this clip, I said, don't make me agree with Louis Farrakhan, but I'm not. I'm only, (laughs) I'm only joking. Uh, I'm joking much less about Dr. Fauci, of course. Dr. Fauci is just awful. He is an absolute pox on our public life. He should be removed from his position where he has been for 40, 50 years. Uh, Goodness gracious, if the entire mainstream right, some of the mainstream left, the far right, and even the kind of radical far left, the guys like Louis Farrakhan, everybody seems to have woken up to this for one reason or another, for legitimate reasons or for perhaps illegitimate reasons, as we've seen. Uh, But we're all getting something. Namely, this guy, Fauci, is just no good for our public life. Now, I hate... (laughs) I I hate that in any way I have to even agree with like half of a percent of a thing that Louis Farrakhan has intimated while still disagreeing with 99% of the things he says in that very same breath. Uh, Such is the case in our public life right now. Speaking of militant radicals like Louis Farrakhan, 
Maybe you've heard, if you watch the mainstream media, certainly you have heard, we're, we're getting ready for an insurrection. Another coup d'etat from the right, the Trumpist forces, Bloomberg reporting, quote, a militant group may be plotting to attack the U.S. Capitol on Thursday, a day tied to conspiracy theories about March 4th, police warn. March 4th. I've seen this in other mainstream media publications. They say March 4th. That's the day. There's going to be a coup. There's going to be an insurrection. I asked last time I was in D.C., I said, why is the National Guard still in D.C.? a month after the riot at the Capitol. Why, why, why does DC still look like some occupied city? We were told that they were here to prevent a coup d'etat. Why does it look like a coup d'etat here with all the, all these guardsmen? And I was told the answer I heard was March 4th there. They've heard that there's going to be an insurrection on March 4th. I said, I, you know, I spend an inordinate amount of, of my day delving the depths of right-wing commentary online. And I haven't seen anything about an insurrection on March 4th. Have you? Do you, if you're listening right now, probably you pay attention to some conservative commentary. Have you seen anything about that? No. Seems to me that the only people hyping this alleged insurrection on March 4th are left-wing journalists. Isn't that weird? Isn't that a strange circumstance? You would think that if this were a right-wing insurrection, that the left would be downplaying it. Or, but instead, they seem to be promoting it. They seem to be hyping it. Maybe they want something to happen. Maybe they want an excuse to continue to erode our liberties and our traditions and our rights in this country, just as they have been doing for at least a year now. Maybe they want an excuse to ramp it up, ramp up the censorship, ramp up the lockdowns, ramp up the security all around DC. Seems pretty weird to me. Speaking of insurrectionist subversive forces, you may have heard that at CPAC last week, the Conservative Political Action Conference, the stage at CPAC was built in the shape of a Nazi symbol. You say, what? Hold on. Actually, I wasn't able to make it to CPAC this year. I did they, they made a swastika shaped stage. That seems like a big oversight. Man, we got to call Matt Schlapp. That seemed, you know, he, clearly they, they uh, missed something here. But I looked at the stage and I said, oh, that's, no, that's not a swastika. That just, if anything, it looks kind of like that, that random symbol that Prince changed his name into. Remember when he lost his name and he became the artist formerly known as Prince? And it looks kind of like that, but it doesn't, when I look at that, I don't see a Nazi symbol. The left, they saw Nazi symbols. This was being reported everywhere. So it turns out, turns out that the allegedly Nazi stage was designed by a company called Design Foundry that uh, has not just worked for, well, has not worked for the Nazis and they've not just worked for the right wing. They've worked for Joe Biden and they've worked for MSNBC. And 98% of the company's political donations have gone to Democratic candidates. Pretty strange stuff. The left refers to these sorts of symbols and sort of statements that if you looked at that stage, you say it's completely innocuous. If you heard many things that right-wingers say, you say completely anodyne stuff. And they refer to this as dog whistles. So for instance, if I, if I come out and I say, you know, 
They got rid of a lot of election integrity protections in 2020, and we need to protect our elections. The left will say that's a dog whistle for you don't want black people to vote. If, if I come out and I say, you know, I love my country and I want law and order in this country, they'll say that's a dog whistle for racism and fascism and Nazism. And you say, it's all these dog whistles. And I say, I don't see that. I don't hear any of that. And we are reminded that if you're hearing dog whistles all the time, it means you're the dog, right? You are, and I think that's what the Democrats are saying about themselves here. They are attuned to these things because th- it has a resonance for them. They, they are obsessed with race, so they see racism everywhere. They're obsessed with Nazism or fascism, so they see Nazis and fascists everywhere. Lots and lots of dog whistles, and they are determined to root that out. We know that this country, the, the defining feature of it is pervasive racism. That's what the left tells us. And we need to root that out from the very, very beginning, which is why now in New Jersey, five-year-olds in kindergarten are receiving training in diversity, equity, and inclusion. They are receiving so-called anti-racism training. The Democratic governor of New Jersey, Phil Murphy, signed this uh, bill into law. Uh, forcing teachers to instruct students as young as five in diversity and inclusion and equity and tolerance and belonging in connection with gender and sexual orientation, race and ethnicity, disabilities and religious tolerance. Now forget, you know, whenever you hear this this term uh, diversity, inclusion and equity or any permutation of that, what that means is leftist orthodoxy. That's what they're going to be trained in from a young age. And I've seen some people protest this and they've said, you know, babies aren't racist is another one. Or, you know, little children aren't bigoted and we don't, we don't need to teach them this. If you want to have this kind of program of education, wait until later. I I think those conservative critics are totally missing the point. This makes perfect sense. If you want to get your country to be more left wing, it's not going to be nearly as useful to teach 18-year-olds as it will be to teach 8-year-olds as it will be to teach 5-year-olds. The younger kids are, the more malleable their minds are. The less they know, the easier it is to shape the way that they view themselves, the way they view the world, the way that they view the country. And so, absolutely, if I were a left-winger, I'd want to get into the kindergartens. Frankly, I think we should get into the kindergartens as conservatives and teach students not this radical gender theory or whatever, we should get into the kindergartens and teach them what they were once taught in kindergarten. Namely, George Washington was a good guy. Our country is a good country, a country that you ought to have loyalty and respect for, that God exists, that uh, we believe certain things and we don't believe other things. We ought to teach them those. Children will be taught values. It is not possible to have education without values. I know there's this kind of liberal dream among left-wing liberals, but even some right-wing liberals, you know, people who say, I just, I want to get the indoctrination out of the classroom. I just want them to learn their arithmetic and, you know, the three R's or no, it doesn't work that way. Education is about the whole person. It's about developing virtues, suppressing vices, uh, understanding how to view the world. 
And the left is very successful at this and the right is very unsuccessful at this. Because uh, this is actually the topic of my book, my upcoming book that Amazon is almost certainly going to cancel, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds. We conservatives like to believe that we understand education so much better than the left does. We understand free speech so much better than the left does. I don't think we do. I think that the left and I think the intellectual leftists who developed this system that we now call wokeism or uh, political correctness or, or whatever word you want to use for it. I think they understood those things much better than conservatives do. And it's, it's why they were able to transform it. And only by understanding what they really think are we going to be able to change course because our current strategy on this is failing. Speaking of young people, speaking of failing strategies, a large number of migrants are headed to the United States right now. This is often the case, but they're headed there in higher numbers than usual. They're approaching California and they're wearing Joe Biden t-shirts. Not joking. There's a photograph of a a group of migrants heading toward America wearing t-shirts that say, Biden, please let us in. Biden, please let us in. Raises a few questions. One, if these migrants are able to get these nice brand spanking new t-shirts. They say, you know, really good. One, it means this is not just some uh, randomly, you know, grassroots springing effort of people who are destitute, just seeking survival even, you know, as we're always told, the refugees who are going to be killed in their home countries. And that's why we need to let them into the United States. No, this is pretty well organized. They have access to a decent number of resources. Uh, somebody is uh, obviously organizing them, someone with a political agenda. And they're, I don't, something tells me they're not here fleeing the marauders or the political persecutors in their home countries, right? They seem, they're, they're just kind of calmly walking through Mexico, walking up to the United States. They're obviously economic migrants who are seeking, they, they actually are seeking a better life for, for their children and their families. There's no question about that. I'd rather live in America than I I would in Mexico or Guatemala or something like that. But the situation is not what the Democrats are telling us. Democrats are telling us this is about just life and death. And no, it's not. It's about people making more money and having more opportunity for their kids. Okay, I understand that. So that's why we have a nice immigration policy in part because we are very compassionate. But if you fling the doors open, you you no longer have a country anymore. We already have the most open immigration policy in the world. If you look at the number of migrants who have entered the United States in the last 60 years or so, it's the largest movement of peoples ever in the history of the world. So as compassionate as we want to be, you might have to, you might have to dial that back a little bit because if all your focus is on people from other countries, foreign nationals coming into yours, then you are disadvantaging people in your own country. And the responsibility of a government is to protect its own citizens. And this government is failing to do that. Why are the migrant caravans coming now? Is it because of some political event that happened in their own countries? No, it's because Joe Biden has lenient immigration policies. So when you have tough immigration policies, you disincentivize immigration. During the first few months of of the Trump administration, illegal crossings plummeted. They started to tick back up after that when they saw that actually the policies didn't really have much teeth. Trump talked a good game, but he was largely prevented from implementing his tougher policies. Joe Biden is saying, yeah, the doors are wide open. Come on in. And the, the 
migrants and more importantly, the people organizing the migrants know that Joe Biden is going to be pushing for a mass amnesty. And the Democrats know that that mass amnesty is likely to give them many, 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 many new voters. So that migrant caravan, it's just going to keep on coming and it's bad for the migrants. There's a lot of crime that happens. There's a lot of injury that happens while people are crossing that border illegally. It's bad for them. It's certainly bad for the country, but the Democrats don't care because they see a political advantage in it. So as we have this horde of migrants coming up to the California border, you have the governor of California in really hot water. He just went too far. Governor Pretty Boy, Governor Patrick Bateman uh, is not looking good. It looks as though he is going to be recalled. I mentioned this story uh, a couple of months ago when the recall effort for Newsom had hundreds of thousands of signatures. And I said, it's looking like he'll be recalled, but it's not certain because to recall Newsom and then have a new election, you need to have 1.5 million signatures. And at the time, uh, this was now a few weeks ago, you had, it was 1.2 million or something. So people said, oh, he's definitely going to get it. But it's not just enough to have 1.2 or 1.5 million because what Democrats are going to do is invalidate a large number of those signatures. If someone move, has moved out of state, if someone's not living at the address that they say they are, they're going to get rid of those signatures. This is what Republicans should have done to the illegal voters in 2020. People who put down addresses where they didn't live. Stephen Crowder just did a good video ex- exposing how certain voters in 2020, if you go up to the houses that they say they lived at, the buildings don't even exist there. So we should have done a better job of kicking ineligible voters off the rolls and fraudulent voters off the rolls. Democrats are going to do that, but I think now they're not going to be able to overcome it because it's not just 1.5 million trying to recall Newsom. Now we're up to 1.9 million. There's still two weeks left. This thing's going to blow past 2 million. So who's going to step into the breach? There is rumor that Rick Grinnell is going to uh, run for governor. I don't know. I haven't spoken to former ambassador Grinnell, uh, about this sort of thing, but he is kind of making the rounds. It looks as though he could, he would be a strong candidate. He would be a strong Republican candidate in California. Is he the most right-wing guy in the Republican party? No, he isn't. Absolutely not. Uh, Trump likes him a lot and he seems to have done a good job when he was acting director of national intelligence. He's got some more socially liberal positions more socially liberal than my positions, that's for sure. But we are talking about California. We're dealing with political realities here. Uh, William F. Buckley Jr. had what was called the Buckley Rule. He said that that conservatives should vote for the most, they, they should vote for the most right viable candidate. So this involves a lot of prudence and political calculation. If we could get, uh, I don't know, who would be, who would be right-wing enough for me in California? Attila the Hunt. Let's say Attila the Hunt decided that he was going to challenge Gavin Newsom. And, you know, you had Hun, Hun 2020 or 2021. Uh, okay, that, that would be one thing. But Attila the Hun is not going to win in California. A, a, a far-right candidate's not going to win. Grinnell seems to be positioned in a, in a pretty decent way to do it. And uh, anybody, as far as I'm concerned, would be better than Gavin Newsom. Newsom is really awful. He's both uh, vacuous and willing to go over to the, the far radicals here. So, We'll, we'll see what happens. We did get a Republican governor once through a recall effort. When California recalled Gray Davis, we ended up getting Arnold Schwarzenegger, also kind of a liberal Republican. I guess he was better than some of the alternatives, but he was a little more, little more centrist. Uh, we'll have to see. Luck does play a role in a lot of these sorts of things. There's a new book out called Lucky, How Joe Biden Barely Won the Presidency. 
This book is by Jonathan Allen, who's a senior analyst for NBC News, and Amy Parnes, who's a senior correspondent with The Hill. And this book savages the Joe Biden campaign. Not the Biden administration, but the Biden campaign. It's got all these little juicy tidbits, you know, these all kind of political gossip books have. Uh, One is that Barack Obama famously refused to support Joe Biden for most of the campaign because he feared that Biden was, quote, a tragicomic caricature of an aging politician having his last hurrah. Hard to see the lie there. That's true. Did Obama say that? I don't know. We'll get to those kind of questions in a second. Uh, One Biden aide apparently told the authors of this book that the strategy uh, that they were pursuing was tantamount to, quote, you put your dumb uncle in the basement. So they just hid Joe Biden in the basement of his house. He barely campaigned. And the excuse was because of COVID, it it would be irresponsible to campaign. And so Joe Biden's not going to do that. And uh, then what they avoid is the biggest liability of the campaign, which is Joe Biden. One Trump advisor apparently told the authors that the Biden team, quote, used coronavirus as an excuse to keep him in the basement. And it was smart. Biden was able to hide his biggest weakness, which is himself. And he did it with an excuse that sounded responsible. Do I believe the claims made in this book or not? I, I want to avoid the charge of hypocrisy here. And I, I think I can, I think that Sometimes what happens is when there are books that are out that are flattering to your side, you believe them. And then when books are critical of your side, you don't believe them. And this seems hypocritical. In this case, I've mentioned this before, but not in a while. In this case, it is not hypocritical. It is not hypocritical to give more credence to mainstream books written by mainstream journalists uh, that are critical of Democrats. Uh, when you wouldn't do the same thing for Republicans, because the people who wrote the book are on the same team as Joe Biden. NBC News, The Hill, the mainstream media are on the same team as the Democratic politicians. So when the media leak juicy information about the Democrats, it carries more credibility than when the mainstream media leak juicy information about Republicans. Because we know that the mainstream media lie about Republicans all the time. First of all, they're adversaries. So there's an incentive for them to post the worst stuff and just make stuff up whole cloth. But also they just don't have decent access in the way that because the media and the left are exact and the Democrats rather are exactly the same thing. They have great access. Very often they are literally sleeping with one another. So do I believe this book? I give it way more credibility. I don't know. I don't really pay a lot of attention to any of these sort of gossipy books. But I, I, do, I do give it a lot more credibility than I would to some Republican book. You're going to have to be watching the same thing play out here with Andrew Cuomo. Andy Cuomo is under attack right now by the media. So you're going to have to ask questions. Why are they attacking this? Why are they leaking this? And what does it matter to me? I don't give a damn about the juicy gossip from a political book like Lucky. And I frankly don't give a damn about the juicy gossip about how Andy Cuomo watched a reporter eat a hot dog one time at the state fair. I don't care. I, I want to know, how does this affect our politics? And why are these stories being leaked now? What is the political strategy? Because when it comes to these sorts of scandals, nothing is what it seems. All of this very often is a distraction to lull us 
into accepting more of the left's agenda. The new normal, now past two weeks, now up to two years, now probably going to be even longer. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Texas and Mississippi open back up and the Democrats and media lose their ever-loving minds. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. 